Brothers and sisters in Christ, if we look at our three readings, it's very evident that there are clear examples of trauma. And when I use the word trauma, I I want us to to use it appropriately. It's a word that gets thrown around a lot um, in society, on social media. But just because it is overused does not mean that there isn't value in the word and what we're talking about tonight. If we look at our first reading in Job, and we just go down, the Sabians attacked, carried off the donkeys, the oxen, killed the servants, then the camels, servants died, his children deceased. Clear example. We go to Corinthians, and Paul uses words like, we are hard-pressed. On every side, perplexed, confused, persecuted, struck down. We turn to the gospel. Jesus is mocked, sneered at, stripped of his clothes. Very clear examples of trauma. But those aren't the only times that trauma occurs when it's out in the open. There's a meme, and it is very cliche, um, but I'm going to share it anyway, uh, that's going around, and it says, be kind to everyone because you don't know what someone else is going through. And I'd like for us to think of that as we go through our scripture readings and as you reflect on on your own life and the life of those around you that you interact with. And on the tail of that, I'd like to share a letter with you and just to read a little bit of it that kind of drives that point home a little bit. It says this, We recognize that receiving correspondence regarding your victimization can be extremely difficult. Please know that our advocates are here to assist you in every step of the way. If you need any assistance or simply need to talk to someone, please call us at the phone number listed below. This letter serves as confirmation of your registration with the Office of Victims Advocates. Now that you are registered with our office, you will receive notifications of various processes involving offender release consideration with both the State Department of Corrections and the State Parole Board. The letters dated December 1st, 2023, and it's addressed to me. As you think about that and you think about your own life and the things that you've been through, and you think about the people that you surround you're surrounded with, and we look at the examples of trauma and we talk about how trauma affects our lives tonight, I hope that we can get some insight from the gospel and from our readings as to how to move forward because we live in a fallen world. Because fallen people inflict trauma, whether it's seen or unseen. The first thing that I have listed, if you want to reference it in your um, sermon outline, 
One of the things that they now calculate, especially in dealing with childhood trauma, is what they call ACE scores, A-C-E. They're called Adverse Childhood Experiences. And there's a list of 10, and I have them listed for you. Like I said, we're not going to go through them individually. You can kind of peruse through them. But a child is evaluated and given a point for each one of those numbers that they have endured. The higher their ACE score, studies have shown, the higher likelihood that they are going to have physical, emotional, or mental health problems into adulthood. When we think of trauma, typically we think of maybe post-traumatic stress, maybe someone coming home from war, or maybe a horrific traffic accident, or a victimization of a crime. And those are examples as well. Those are adult examples, more situational. But again, when those traumas occur, God has made us in such a way that our brain wants to protect ourselves. And we have what we call trauma responses. So we have in development as a child is developing, as a young adult is developing, they go through those stages of attachment and socially developing, speaking, interacting, all of these things, bonding with their family. Any hindrance during that stage of development, and there's a stop. The development stops. So when we look at trauma responses, basically it's like you have a railroad track where the track is supposed to go this way, but unfortunately something happened and it's been rerouted. And based on who we are is the type of trauma response that we have. We're each individual. So a response that I might have is based on my situation and my circumstances and how God has created me and who I am as a person. My slant towards seeing things, my view of things. And so if we look at trauma responses, there are five right here. You've got fight. That's somebody who wants to kind of throw up arms right away. They get very angry and aggressive. A very common trauma response usually out of protection. Flight. They want to run away. They want to avoid it all. They don't want that confrontation because maybe that confrontation was a place where they were hurt before. Freeze. They're so paralyzed by the fear that nothing happens. Almost a dissociation. Fawn. It's one that most people don't know. This is one where people don't take responsibility. They, they relinquish their responsibility for their own life to someone else so that they don't have to answer to anyone for fear, usually, of making a mistake or failing. And finally, flop, which is where they just let everything go. Now, because we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and because God has 
designed this protection almost within us, how we deal with trauma really shapes our lives. Because the reality is in some way, shape, or form, we all have experienced some form of it. One way, Pastor Tom spoke about it last week, that we can, that we can easily cope with it is to tuck ourselves away, avoid everything, that loneliness. There may be a place um, in your family or for yourself personally where people have struggled with abuse, substance abuse. It doesn't have to be just substances. We can even abuse things that are supposed to be good for us, like exercise, and become completely obsessive about that as a way to cope with the trauma. Maybe we perpetuate that onto someone else. Maybe it's our family. Maybe it's our children. To generation to generation, and there's no break in that generational sin. But our readings tonight tell us a different story. Our readings tonight tell us that trauma is not a death sentence. Our readings tonight tell us something quite different. And if we look at the help that's available to us, Obviously, we have the medical world help where we have therapy and medication. We can utilize those. I'm a big advocate for talk therapy and behavior therapy. Medication for depression, anxiety, bipolar. If that is what you and your doctor think is most helpful, absolutely. Those are there. God has given us those gifts to help us in these times. There's also a level of Support that we need. We as the body of Christ here in this place can support each other. Maybe you don't have the family that you wish that you had, or maybe it's not exactly the way you wanted it, or, or the friends are, aren't what you were hoping for. We're here as family. You have support here in God's house with pastor myself, the staff, each other, the other members of the body of Christ. It requires us to be vulnerable, though. And being vulnerable is scary, especially when we're dealing with trauma, because isn't that what got us into that in the first place? But here's the beauty. What did Job do? He was vulnerable before God. He fell down and worshipped. Verse 20. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. What did Jesus do? As disciples of Christ, we look to Jesus as our example We go to the gospel. Verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. 
Jesus shows us as an example to forgive those who have inflicted wounds on us. Because we have afflicted wounds on others. Maybe we're not the one who was offended. Maybe we were the offender. But praise be to God, the gospel also speaks to that. Let's look at the thief. He was sentenced to death. It was just. That was his sentence. Those were the consequences of his actions. And if we inflict wounds on someone else, there are consequences for our actions. It may be a broken relationship. It may be a lost job. It may be a loss of integrity. But it doesn't mean that we are abandoned. It doesn't mean that we are forsaken. Because we look at that thief and we see his repentance and we see him chastising the other thief. Don't you fear God? He said. You are, uh, we're under the same sentence as he is and he didn't do anything. Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom. That repentant heart that we come to Jesus and say, I'm sorry. I inflicted these wounds on other people. Forgive me. And Jesus tells the thief in verse 43, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. So as disciples in our everyday life, how do we apply all of this? Well, we look at 2 Corinthians, and it tells us we're jars of clay. And I am kind of klutzy in the kitchen as I am messing around and trying to unload the dishwasher because I time myself, which is another story. But it's a game I play. I try to get it done as fast as I can. But in the meantime, there have been occasions where I turn too quickly and a plate or a glass will hit the end of my counter and it shatters and it reminds me how fragile each of these pieces are. And that's the image I have in my head when Paul talks about us being jars of clay. These are vessels that are fragile. We're, we're fragile. We're, we're broken. And we know that because we feel it. But what else does he say? We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed and confused. We don't know what's going on, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed. Through those cracks in that jar of clay that we are, 
the light of Christ shines so brightly. Those those things that have happened to us, those circumstances, the situations that seem traumatic, that are traumatic to us, God can use for His glory. It doesn't make us ugly. It doesn't make us worthless. It makes us beautiful because His light can shine through us. If we go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, it's talking about God who comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So as we go out as broken vessels and we interact with other broken vessels, we can offer comfort that we receive from Jesus to those around us. But we need to be aware and we need to be looking and we need to not rush to judgment. We need to think about why someone might be behaving that way. In conclusion, I, what I really would want us to remember, and I wrote it at the bottom, trauma, whether inflicted on you or by you, is not bigger than Jesus. Jesus can heal us and use us. As his disciples, we have the gift of walking in compassion with those struggling with trauma in their lives. And I pray that Jesus shows each one of us who he wants us to walk with and strengthen with his light and his love every day. In his name we pray. Amen.